Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Man, we're uh, super excited uh, to be here at uh, Christmas at Restoration. Again, I just want to welcome you for being here uh, Welcome, you guys. Uh, super glad that you guys are here. Um, if you have your Bibles today, would you turn to 1 John chapter 1? 1 John chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. We're going to have it on the screen. And if you need a Bible, there's one in the, uh, in the lobby at the Info Center. And uh, you can take that. It's free. It's a gift that we just want to give you. Go ahead and take it um, today. So I'm, I'm going to be preaching today from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And I titled the message today, The True Gifts of Christmas. The True Gifts of Christmas. And today, uh, today's passage is not going to be the one that we usually hear at a Christmas uh, Eve service, right? We're not going to hear about the angels. We're not going to hear about Mary and Joseph. We're not going to hear about the wise men or the shepherd. We're not going to hear about that today. Uh, we're going to take a look at a different passage that's going to give us a different angle to the, uh, the, to the birth of Christ, to the incarnation of Christ. And we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 1. This letter was written by the Apostle John, who also wrote uh, the Gospel of John. This is one of his letters that he wrote from a place called Ephesus around 85 to 95 A.D., um, and so that letter that he wrote, the, the first John, second and third John, they were circulated around the churches in the region uh, of Asia Minor, which is now modern day Turkey. And so when John wrote this letter, first John, he was the last apostle. I mean, all the other apostles before him were dead. They were martyred. He was the only one alive. And the reason why John was writing. One of the reasons, the major reasons why John was writing 1 John was to combat two things. First, he was combating the denial of Jesus's divinity. Uh, there was this idea that Jesus wasn't God, that he wasn't the Messiah, that he wasn't the Christ. And the second reason why he wrote 1 John was because they were also denying his incarnation, uh, they were denying that Jesus actually, the Son of God, actually came from heaven to earth and became a man. And there was a denial of the birth of Christ, the humanity of Christ. And so now John writes to reassure his readers that, hey, like this really happened. Like Jesus did come from heaven to earth, born of a virgin. Like, let me prove it to you. And that's why he is writing First John. So let's go ahead and read the verses today. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before you today and asking you to speak to us clearly from your word. Although it's not the usual narrative, the birth narrative, God, I, I really believe this 
text here for today sheds a different angle, a different light on your incarnation, on the reason why you were sent down to earth from heaven. God, I pray you would speak to us clearly through the power and work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, God. Give us hope, give us joy, direct us and lead us and guide us in our time together. May this service just be a blessing to each and every one here and those tuning in online. God, you know what we need today. And God, we're asking that you would speak to us, that you would become real to each and every one of us. In your name we pray, amen, amen. You know, my brother came into town last week. My brother Josh, he's four years younger than I am. He's my little brother. I call him, he looks like a little bear, and I call him little bear. I love this guy with all of my heart. I love this guy. And uh, my brother is... I mean, he has, he's a ball of energy. He's definitely an extrovert person. He's a ball of energy, and uh, he, he's, a, he's a big gift giver, okay? He's a big gift giver, and I'm totally cool with that, right? Like, I like giving gifts. And, and so my brother always comes down um, to, from, uh, from where he's at because he moves around a lot. He's in the water park uh, and resort um, uh, area, and uh, so he's, he really can't spend a lot of holidays with us. So we either celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas a week before or a week after. And so this time, you know, for Christmas, he came a week before, a couple weeks before. And uh, again, like every single year, my brother, I mean, he went big. Like he went big on getting me gifts, on getting me and Christina gifts. I mean, like I said, he's a really, really big gift giver. And the first thing uh, he, he gave us, um, we, me, when me and Christina woke up in the morning because he stayed at our house, uh, he, he, we looked on the tree and we saw something very odd on the tree. And actually, I think I have a photo of it. Uh, this is our tree. And he gave me a gift card to some bougie restaurant, you know, something I can't afford. But I'm like, I'm cool with that. I like bougie food. But so he just put it on the tree like that. So that's how our day started. Like, yeah, it's going to be a good day. Like, you know, it's going to be a good day when you get a bougie gift card somewhere. Okay. Also, I know you're judging me right now because of like, my tree, it's not decorated. So what we decided to do this year, we just said, hey, it's been, tw- it's 2020 has been a rough year. I told Christina, don't decorate the tree. Just get the, everyone's Christmas cards and let's just put the Christmas cards on the tree. It's been a rough year. So that's what we did. But anyway, so that's what my brother gave me at first. He said, hey, I'm going to give you this gift card to some bougie place. I love it. I'm cool with it. But church, what's better than one gift? Two gifts, okay, whoever said that, yeah, okay, two gifts, and so he gave me a second gift later on in the day, I have a picture of it too, he, he gave me this, it's called a Joey pack, okay, it's called a Joey pack, and it comes with a matching hat, and uh, it's, it's for fishing or hunting, you know, whatever it is, and you can put, you know, your bait, your hooks, and stuff like that, and, and so man, I, I, I was like, on fire about this gift. I was super excited and I just, you know, thanked him a lot. Like it's, it's, I love that gift. So church, what's better than two gifts? Three gifts. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. So he's given me a gift card to some really fancy place. He's given me this like fishing gear, you know, outdoorsman, whatever gear. And the third thing he gave me, which is my favorite, he gave me some underwear. He, can you guys show the picture of, uh, do we, do we have a picture? Okay, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to show you that picture. Some, some of you are like, no, I don't want to see that. But he did give me some underwear. Okay, for whatever reason, every year I get underwear. I don't know. Okay, only God knows. But he did give me some underwear. Man, you know, I, I was really thankful to my brother because, you know, he spent a lot of money on, uh, on me and Christina, and I'm really thankful for that. 
but you know what? The truth is that although those gifts were nice and, and material gifts are nice, uh, they're really not the true gifts of Christmas. They're really not the reason for the season, as we like to say. And I think a lot of the times for us, we kind of get sidetracked at times uh, when it comes to Christmas. We, we focus a lot on the material gifts, right? When we were kids, when you and I were kids, we, what was, was Christmas all about? It was all about receiving gifts, right? Like, what am I going to get this year? What am I going to get this year? And if you were a kid like me, okay, if you were a kid like me, you couldn't wait until Christmas. So you would open your gifts before without your mom knowing, sorry, mom, and then you would wrap them back up. Anyone else do that too? Okay, two, three, all right. We're gonna start a we're gonna start a bandit small group. Okay, cool. So, so you know that's what we do as kids. We we hey, it's all about receiving gifts. And then as adults, right? Especially those of you that have kids, it's more about giving gifts, right? Like it's more about giving gifts and making people happy. And I think a lot of times we focus on those things, or or we focus on you know, man, like my hosting today or my hosting this Christmas. The house has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. And so we kind of take our eyes off the real reason and what's truly important. Uh, This famous theologian said this once. Uh, He said this, "Um, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. And I don't care about the the presents underneath the Christmas tree. All I want for Christmas is you, baby. And and by baby, she's obviously referring to baby Jesus, right? And, And so this theologian got it totally right. It's not about the presence. It's about other stuff, you know? And so here's what I want to do today, church, just briefly in our time together. I want to look at this passage, and we're going to find three gifts in this passage. We're going to find three gifts in this passage, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write them down. The first gift in this passage is the gift of grace, the gift of grace. John says this in verse 1 and 2. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with their eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and was made manifest to us. So John here is saying, hey, we're proclaiming to you that which was from the beginning. Well, what was from the beginning? If you remember John's gospel in John chapter one, what was in the beginning? It was the word, right? The word was with God and the word was God. And so here John is talking about the pre-incarnate Christ, about Jesus before coming to, uh, to, to earth. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus and proclaim to you about this Jesus uh, that was pre-incarnate. He says, hey, we heard him. We saw him, we looked upon him, we, we touched him. He, he's making a case here that, that, that Jesus truly came from heaven and to earth. And, and John and all the other disciples and the, all the other eyewitnesses, they heard Jesus, they were with Jesus, they touched him. Essentially, he was saying, hey, Christmas is real. Like the incarnation is real. Jesus is real and he came from heaven. He is the son of God, made flesh, wrapped himself in flesh and we have touched him. We really saw him. We really heard him. He really lived. He really rose, died and rose from the dead. It really happened. Christmas really happened. That which was from the beginning, the pre-incarnate Christ became carnate born of a virgin to live among his creation. 
And then notice here what, what John calls Jesus. He calls him the word of life. He calls him the life. He calls him the eternal life. That's what he calls him here. But notice what he doesn't call him, at least at this point. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus has life or he is going to give life. Yes, that's true. But he is saying he is life. He is the eternal life. He is salvation. Jesus is salvation himself. Christ is the eternal life himself. And so this is what, what John is saying in short. This is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I'm testifying to you. I'm proclaiming. I'm making an argument that the Son of God, pre-incarnate, came down to earth, was, was made flesh, and I have firsthand eyewitness uh, my personal testimony that we have touched him, and it is true. And not only did he come, but he came to be salvation for all. So what does this have to do with grace then? What, what is Jesus coming uh, from heaven to earth, invading earth, have to do with grace? Well, if Jesus is salvation and Jesus is eternal life, we know from the scriptures, if you've been around church for a while, that salvation, that eternal life, that life after death, that life with God after death is by grace and by grace alone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God. You don't have to earn it. Not by works so that no one can boast. Grace, a basic definition of grace is God's unmerited favor that brings blessing and joy. God's unmerited favor that brings blessing and joy. This is what it means. It means that you don't have to earn God's favor. You don't have to do more to earn God's favor. You don't have to work your way to earn his favor. Grace is a gift of God. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. We're bad, but you know, he is good and he provides and blesses us anyway. Grace is a gift of God. Those of you with parents, let me just say this. Those of you with parents, do your kids have to earn your favor? Like, do your kids have to, some of you are like, yes, they do. Okay, you don't know my kid. Yes, you do. Do they have to earn your favor like your toddler, right? Like, hey, you know what? You're not on mom, mommy's good side right now, so you got to potty train yourself. You got to do more, okay? You got to take responsibility of your own actions. Those of you with teenagers, right? Like, hey, you have to do more. You got to start paying the mortgage. You got to start doing all this stuff because then you got to be on our good side. You're not going to live here for free or whatever, right? Like, like they, they don't have to earn your favor. Like your kids could, could be wild and crazy or whatever, and you still love them and you're still gracious to them. They don't have to earn your favor and your love and your grace. So then why do we think that we have to earn God's favor? Like, why do we think we have to earn his favor and do more and work towards that? You see, there are only two ways of living here on earth, either by doing more, trying to earn God's favor, or by resting in his grace and receiving God's favor. You see, when we live a life of trying to do more, we actually live less. Did you know that? When we live a life of trying to do more, we live less. Let me explain. You see, because trying to do more, hey, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna do more. I'm just gonna be a better person. I'm just gonna try not to sit. I'm just gonna white knuckle fist my life and just like do more and, and make sure I'm a good person and make sure that I give to the homeless guy and make sure I attend church once in a while. I'm gonna do, 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 do. And it's all about your works. 
Well, this essentially and eventually turns into fear in our lives. When I get to, when I get to the white pearly gates, I hope, I hope, I hope that the scales tip in my favor. I hope I have enough good deeds and good works so that God can let me in. And so people live in fear. People live in insecurity because they never feel good enough. And you know what? We're not. We're not good enough. But Jesus was good enough. He was perfect. And so we live in insecurity. A lot of us live in pride. We live in pride because, hey, I, ha- I have the, my own, I have the strength to figure myself out. I have the strength to save myself. And so there's this pride and arrogance, also discouragement. It, re- it results in discouragement because we're going to fail. We're going to mess up. And so instead of doing more, we actually live less. That's one way to live. Or the other way to live is by grace. By simply receiving God's unmerited favor upon our lives, to be dependent on his wisdom and power and grace. You see, placing our faith and our trust in what already has been done through the work and the life of Jesus Christ, not on what we're going to do, but on what has already been done to provide our salvation. The first gift, church, of the incarnation is that Jesus came down from heaven to gift us grace, to gift us grace, his unmerited favor towards us to save us. So what's better than one gift, church? Two, you're catching on, all right. Number two is the gift of fellowship. The gift of fellowship. John says this in verse three, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. It's a gift of fellowship. Fellowship, the word means uh, here, close association involving mutual interest and sharing. It involves this communion and close-knit community. That's what fellowship means. And so what John is saying here is that, hey, Jesus is divine. Jesus is the Son of God, God who became incarnate. And those who believe that he is the Son of God enter into this beautiful and dynamic and diverse fellowship with other people, with God's people. And the first kind of sub-gift under this is fellowship with God's people. And that's so true, isn't it? Some of the best gifts that we have, money can't buy. Some of the best gifts that we have are not things, but people. Isn't that true? Uh, Last uh, Thursday, on Thursday, we had our men's small group. And we're just kind of, it was the first time we got together because of uh, COVID. And uh, we've been doing Zoom and and it's just, we just don't like Zoom. And it's been kind of weird and technical difficulties and all kinds of things. But we met for the very first time on Thursday night in someone's backyard and we had a fire pit going on, and we just sat in a circle, and we just talked. And man, it was just a beautiful, beautiful gift of doing life together, of connecting, of enjoying each other's company, of praying for each other. And you know what, Daniel, one of the guys in the, um, in, in, the, in the small group, he said, you know what's interesting is that we're all different here, different ages, different races, different stages of life, but what unites us here is Jesus Christ. And that is so beautiful. That is so good. That is such a gift of God is God's people, being in community with God's people. Then 
John says, hey, you know, this gift, this fellowship gift is kind of two-part. Yes, it's fellowship with God's people as a gift, but also fellowship with God. To know him personally, to know him and be known, to have this intimacy with God, to have this close relationship with God. Because, man, Jesus went to great lengths to have a personal relationship with you, to know you personally. You see, my brother, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he, he came from Wisconsin and it was a far, far flight and stuff. And, and he spent a lot of money and he, he gave me these gifts. And again, I am so thankful for those gifts. When I really think about it, the true gift wasn't what he gave me. The true gift was my brother. And having, my, having a relationship with him, having a personal relationship with my brother, coming a long way, giving me gifts, I love that. But the true gift is him. The true gift was my brother. And that's the same thing with Jesus. The true gift is Christ. The true gift is Jesus. You see, it's great that he gives us all of these things, and, and those are good gifts, but it's not the greatest gift. And I think a lot of times we focus on the gifts he gives and not the gift giver. And so the gift of fellowship with God, is a, it was made possible through the incarnation of Christ, invading earth, going to great lengths to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. You see, Jesus, I just want to tell you this today, that Jesus doesn't just want you to know him today as a concept, as some theological idea. He wants to know you personally. Jesus doesn't want to simply know you at a distance. He wants to know you intimately. Jesus doesn't want to simply know you on Christmas and Easter. He wants to know you every single day because he loves you and he cares about you. The gift of fellowship, the gift of grace, the gift of fellowship. And thirdly, what's better than two gifts? You're catching on. You guys are smart, man. You guys are super smart. The gift of joy, the gift of joy, verse four. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete, that our joy may be complete. What are these things that John is talking about? Again, he's talking about the fact that Jesus came from heaven to earth, that if those who believe enter into this beautiful fellowship with God and other people, something that is diverse and lovely and beautiful, and that gift, these gift of grace and the gift of fellowship also in us stirs a, a gift of joy. That the birth of Christ, one of the purpose for the birth of Christ is to give us joy. Joy is happiness, but it's also more than happiness. It's not something that quickly goes away with difficult circumstances. And for John, joy is something that was produced by a really close fellowship with God and other people. Have you ever noticed that the most joyful people are those people that you know for sure have an intimate relationship with God? Have you ever noticed that? That the joyful, happy people, genuinely happy people are those that just love God and are passionate about that, about God. Because we see, we don't have to manufacture joy. Joy is an overflow of our relationship with God. Joy is an overflow of our love for God. And I asked myself, well, what kind of joy is it? 
What kind of joy is this joy that Jesus gives us? Well, in the narrative stories, in, in the actual narrative stories in the gospel, when the angel appears to the shepherd, he says this. He says, I bring you good news of great joy, of great joy. So it's not just ordinary joy. It's great joy. And in the original language, this word here is megalin, megalin, where we get our word mega from. So the joy that Jesus brings through the incarnation is not ordinary joy. It's mega joy, okay? It's mega joy. It's a lot of it. It's excessive. It's a great quantity and great amount. It's a mega joy. It's a great joy. R.A. Torrey, uh, a theologian from the late 1800s and early 1900s, says this, There is more joy in Jesus in 24 hours than there is in the world in 365 days. I have tried them both. I love that. I'll repeat that again. There is more joy in Jesus in 24 hours than there is in the world in 365 days. I have tried them both. You see, only Jesus, only God can give true joy. You see, the world gives joy, but it's temporary. It's built around things and, and people that really don't last and, 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 and make us think that they're really going to fully and truly satisfy us. That's the world's type of joy. It's like a mist. But God's joy, it's a mega. There's more to come. And when you think that your joy has run out, God has more joy. When you think that your situation has just crushed your joy, there is more available to you. It is mega joy. Mega joy is available. Grace is Christ's answer to bondage and the sin in our lives. Fellowship is Christ's answer to the loneliness of life. And joy Joy is God's answer to the sorrows and the storms of life. So let me ask you today, has your joy been stolen? Has 2020 stolen your joy? Can I just shepherd you for just a second today? Has your joy been stolen? Maybe you lost your job, 2020. Maybe your hours were cut back. Maybe you got sick. Maybe you experienced a death in the family. Maybe you struggled with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Maybe your marriage was just on the rocks, about to quit and give up. Maybe the year you thought you were going to have didn't come to pass. And you've lived 2020 with the lack of joy in your life, with the lack of happiness. And you've lost that smile. You've lost that joy that you once had. Can I just remind you today that joy is available to you? Mega joy, great joy because of the birth of Christ. Joy that carries you through the sorrows of life, through the storms of life. Joy that comforts you when you're crying and no one's looking on the way to work. Joy when you want to give up. It's the strength that we need. Joy. Mega joy. God's joy. Great joy. It's available 
to you. So church, what is our response then to the birth of Christ? What is our response to Jesus being born, Jesus invading earth? You see, Christmas and the birth story, it's not just a reminder and a promise of the things that we have in Christ. It is also a challenge, a challenge to draw closer to him. Because each and every one of us, I feel today, is being called by God to draw closer to him. So Christmas is more than a promise. It's a challenge that God wants to be a part of your life. That God wants to, 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 for you to experience his grace and his fellowship and his intimacy and his joy, his everlasting joy. So if you're a believer today, may this sermon, may these three gifts remind you that you were saved by grace if you're a believer. May it be a reminder of the grace that you've experienced that one day you repented and placed your faith in Christ and he transformed your life and you didn't have to earn it that you weren't saved by good works but you were saved for good works and your life has been transformed by the grace and the power of God. And what's our response to fall on our knees and worship him, to give him everything that we have, to give him the best that we have. Everything. May it be a reminder of the gift of fellowship in your life, that we need each other, that you were saved for community, that you were outside by yourself, isolated, but that God brought you into a church, into a body, that we need each other. You were saved into a community of believers. And so, man, one of the things that this pandemic has done is really just put people outside on, on, on their own, on islands, trying to fight against the enemy and, and overcome things in their life on their own. And guess what? We can't do it alone. We need each other. May it be a reminder to you. May it be a reminder to you if you're a believer of the joy that's available to you through Christ. If you don't know Jesus, if you're watching online through YouTube or Facebook and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a, 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 a saving relationship with him. There's a response as well. And that's to accept these gifts. And guess what? You don't have to work at accepting these gifts. These gifts are free to you. And the question is, how do you accept these gifts? How do you accept the gift of grace? How do you accept the gift of fellowship? And how do you accept the gift of joy? And here's the other thing. We can't have joy without fellowship, and we can't have fellowship without first experiencing the grace of God. So if you want joy, you got to have fellowship. If you want fellowship, you got to experience the grace of God first. So how do we experience the grace of God? Scripture is super clear and super simple. I think we complicate it in our churches. The angels told the shepherds, hey, I bring you good news of great joy. What's the good news? What's the good news? The good news starts with God that God is the creator of heaven and earth, that God is holy and perfect and righteous and just. And one day God, out of his goodness, he created everything, including me and you, he created man. But here's the bad news, man fell, man sinned. That we fell, Adam and Eve, and gave into temptation and so sin into the world. And everyone born after was born a sinner. That's the bad news. But Christ came. 
but Christ invaded earth. But Christ died on the cross and paid for our sins. But Christ lived the perfect life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserved. And our response to accept these gifts, repent and believe. To repent, what does that mean? Repent means to turn away from your sin and towards God. To make a U-turn in life. To place your faith in Christ. To place your faith in him. To trust him with all of your heart. That he died on the cross. That he paid for our sin. That it's not us, but it's what he did. And we don't have to do anything because he has already done it. That's how you accept the gift of grace, the gift of fellowship, and the gift of joy. And so if that's you today, I just want to pray for you. I actually want to pray for everyone because the gospel is not simply for those who don't know Jesus. The gospel is also for believers. We continue to repent. We continue to place our faith in Christ. We continue to live by grace. That's the life of a believer, a life of continual faith and trust in God, of continual repentance, of continual surrender unto him. Let me pray. God, we thank you for these gifts. We thank you for sending us your greatest gift in Jesus Christ. God, I just pray if anyone here today or if anyone watching online, God doesn't know you, doesn't have that experience, God, with you, but they've experienced your grace, where they've experienced your forgiveness, God, I pray that you would speak to them today I pray that today would be an eye-opener for them, that they don't have to earn your favor, but that, God, you are a gracious, good, and loving God. May through the power of your Spirit, you draw them to you, Jesus, as they repent of their sin, as they place their faith in you. Would you restore them to life? Would you take them from darkness to light? from this sorrow-filled life to a joyful life, from a hopeless life to a hopeful life, God. May you awaken their spirit. May you cause them to be born again to a new life in you, Jesus, a new purpose, a new destiny, a new joy, a new community. And God, I pray for believers here this morning they're reminded of the true meaning of Christmas, of the true gift of Christmas. That's you, God. As we go into 2021, may our focus just stay on you. May we continue to pursue you with everything that we have. God, you went, from, you went through great lengths. You did many things. You died on the cross to know us personally. And God, we love you. We thank you for the joy that we have in you. 
In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.